the stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman grew up in Chicago and was taught the importance of research and clarity and charity. And as she matured, she also discovered she was a gifted storyteller that could make people laugh. So in college, she pursued English as one of her majors and became a teacher. But not just any teacher. She designed courses and workshops, connected powerful people, and became a best-selling author. And at only four foot 11 inches, she became an expert on how to work a room as well as how to connect teaching and business. Plus, her awareness of how she impacted others, coupled with adaptability, made her someone others wanted to be around. Today, she is still impacting the world by staying true to herself and to her personality. It is my pleasure to introduce you to one of the world's greatest women, Susan Rowan. Hi, Susan. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, my God. After listening to that, I feel like, who's she talking about? But thank you, Annette. That was lovely. Well, you're lovely. We have so much to discuss today, Susan. So let's jump right on in. You often talk about how important role models are. So what responsibility do we have as leaders to also be role models? You know, it's the old school. If you had a role model, if there's someone who you saw who had qualities that you thought, those are good, I'm going to try and imitate them. We've got to be the role model for the next generation. We've got to bring that next group up. And, you know, sometimes you think, well, I don't know if I want to do that. They'll take my job. No, no, no. What we need to be sure is that if we have wisdom, it's the Socratic method. They said he was the best mentor. Socrates said, if my student does not surpass me, then I have failed. So we really want to be role models. We can't expect women to reach their power and their greatness if we don't share with them our journeys, how we did it, ideas for how they can. I think role model is important. Oh, and by the way, I have another thing about role models. Sometimes a great role model is a horrible person. I know that's going to sound weird, but when I was a teacher, I taught next door to a teacher that was really horrible. And what was terrific was Whatever she did, I decided not to do. <laughs> that improved my teaching so dramatically. And so sometimes you can see someone go, oh, I don't, that does not work. So having a good role model, but really displaying the qualities that you want other people to have is really important. It's the old do as I do, not as I say. Yeah, so very true. I'm going to go a little bit further down this path because often people hold back on their genius, but I know you feel strongly that people do a disservice to themselves and others when they do this. So why do you think people hold back their genius and why is it important to rethink this approach? I think we hold back because in some ways that's the message from the universe, from the environment, maybe even from our family, our co-workers. When I was speaking in New Zealand and in Australia, they have something they call the tall poppy syndrome, where if you rise above at 411, maybe rise to 5'3", but if you rise and stand tall and do something that goes above the norm, they'll come and prune you down 
to the levels. It's the tall poppy syndrome there. But we have it too, but we don't call it that. We cannot let anybody, be it family, friends, colleagues, spouses, clip our wings. If you have something that you want to do, go for it. When I was a teacher my last year, I had a supervisor who once said to me, you know, I was in the reading office at the time, which nobody read, but I guess that was what it was called. And I remember her saying to me, oh, we're going to this meeting. You need to low-key it. And what I finally realized is she means shut up and pretend you're dead. And I realized that anyone that does that to us, and we must never do that to anyone else. I was speaking in Ohio and the gentleman picked me up and I had known him from the year before. And he was telling me about his daughter in fourth grade. And he says, she's such a talker. I can barely shut her up. I got to tell you what I did. I grabbed him by the arm and said, don't you do that to your daughter. She won't ever have to take an assertiveness training class. The fact that she is communicative and converse is a blessing. And I said to him, it'll save you money in the long run. And she might take care of you in your old age. I love that. I love that. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, what was my own experience that have kept my genius hid? And I guess one message that I came from my mother, she used to tell me, don't get too big for your britches. Have you ever heard that one? And I Am know I'm not some... rolling my eyes enough. Yes. 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 Terrible. And, and, and so, you know, when people tell us those things, it plays in our head that we need to play small. And in that small space, we are not to share our genius. It almost develops a little bit of a sense of insecurity in ourselves, doesn't it? Yes, but there's a part of me going, too big for my britches. I wish you'd told me that when I had to go and shelter in place from COVID. I am not <laughs> too big for my britches. <laughs> That's a different reason, isn't it? it? <laughs> but we did hear that. We yes, we did. did. That. And we must not say it. And there's so many of the old sayings that were good. Think before you speak. That's always really good. Good advice. Good advice. But some of these things, they diminish. And we really need to get rid of those things that diminish. The idea of holding back, and I, I know I shared this with you before, I want to say to all our great women, don't hold back from something you know, something you feel, and something you believe. I was speaking in San Jose, and it was a big mall. I can't even imagine. I was speaking to three floors of shoppers. It was very interesting. I felt like a greeter at Walmart. But I was giving my speech, and one young man, he must have been about 20, raised his hand, because I was talking about how to work a room, my book. And he said, what if you know how to do the things you're telling, but your friends make fun of you? Now, I had to go back to my teaching thinking instead of my speaker, presenter thinking, and I thought about it and thought about it. And I usually say things with humor, but I didn't. I took the smile off my face because I didn't want to give him a mixed message and said, you can never be less than who you are because other people aren't as good as who you are. Number one, they'll still never be as comfortable or as adept as you are at doing things. And you will have traded off on a wonderful trait. And I said it to him then, and I found myself saying it in other presentations and to people that I've coached, be your best self. And we need to not accept those diminishing, I don't know what we're going to call them, cliches, but I, that's what keeps us from going. 
And we need to bring people along. You know, when I would be writing and I'd finish like two chapters of a book, I have a best friend. And when I would let her know that I finished two chapters, she would say, oh, wow. So I'm going to say that every great woman has other great women who say, oh, wow, and encourage us and make us feel that we've accomplished something. So I decided when she started to say that, it felt so good. I wanted to write more. And I write with my hands so you could know that it was like already hurting. (laughs) But if we want to encourage, and it's people in the workplace, it's people in our organizations, it's people in our professional associations, it's our own kids, our families, our nieces and nephews. Be the person that encourages. So I adopted this, an oh, wow attitude. You tell me something good, even if I'm jealous, and I will be jealous because I just had someone say to me, well, I lost 20 pounds. I'm going, oh, wow, how'd you do it? But say the oh, wow, because what people will remember you by is that you encourage them. And under the school of you never know, you never know where tables are turned and that person who you were a role model and an encourager for will be the person saying, you know, I've heard of this opportunity and I think it would be perfect. Yeah, I think that is brilliant advice, Susan, brilliant advice. So we're going to keep going a little bit deeper. So feedback is important for growth, but you told me that women need to be careful of unsolicited feedback. Why have you seen this to be so dangerous and what does good feedback look like? Well, it doesn't look like anything that gives me a stomachache. That I know for sure. You will know good feedback. Okay, so this just happened. And this is Zoom feedback. I was on a Zoom and my best friend, my oh wow, called me the next day and said, because our sorority sisters do a Zoom every week. And she said, Susan, somewhere that you're sitting or you're the lighting, it looks like your eyes are closed. Oh, well, I started to fiddle around. And she said, And now guess what she said? I didn't want to say it in front of the other. And yes, we do call ourselves the girls because we're sorority sisters from another century. I didn't want to say it in front of them. And I thought, that's a friend. I don't want to give you this feedback that really other people don't need to hear. But it's. I just thought I noticed it. I want you to play with the screen and the lighting, et cetera. Now, I had another friend that said, I just need to let you know, you need to move back from the screen. Why? She goes, I'm looking up your nose. Okay, that's legitimate feedback. But the feedback, you need to low-key yourself. Or, you know, you really want this, but maybe you should look for something that's always a little less. Be wary. Be very wary. I wrote an article literally about 25 years ago called Fed Up With Feedback or... Who asked you anyway? Because I think unsolicited feedback is a danger. Number one, the person giving it, it's almost always about them. It rarely has to do with you. And it started when, well, now that I have my new COVID silver coiffure, it started when my hair started to go a little gray. Someone I know said, because I had like a a stripe, she goes, you kind of look like a skunk. Oh, well, that wasn't nice. But I had someone else say to me, you know, well, I, you know, and I just thought, if you can't say anything nice, and this is something we were taught, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. I remember hearing that. 
But sometimes when you are in a position of power and you are a great woman and you care about someone enough and you know you want them to do better, you tell them the lighting makes you look like your eyes are closed or can you move your screen? I'm looking up your nose. So there's a difference between what's helpful and what diminishes us in our ambition, in our goals, in our direction. And I would like to empower you all to think of this. I had a my dear late aunt, she would want to give feedback and she would preface this with, you know, this hurts me more than it's going to hurt you. And you know what? Every time I heard Aunt Tilly say that, it never hurt her more. It hurt me more. <laughs> so when someone says something and your stomach goes, that's a person you need to move away from. And what you can do is, well, thank you for what you said. And what you're really saying is, and that's the last thing I'm going to let you say to me. Good for you. Yes, I I get the message. So perfect. So perfect. So you have used humor and wit throughout your life, but you once were once told, and I'll quote what you said, a lot of men don't like this. I think you were told that. So when you heard that, did you change your approach? And, And even more importantly, how can women leaders use humor and wit effectively? And it is true. And I told Annette that I said something. I'm from Chicago. So I think I have like, I'm the pun, you know, double meaning queen. And I told Annette also, like my mother's a storyteller. My grandfather was very funny. So I will take the risk to say something. But there was a long time that we didn't because humor was the purview of the funny guy. And Looking at women comedians, it was Lucille Ball that made it okay, A, for us to eat chocolates at a chocolate factory. And if some of you haven't seen that episode, be sure to see that one. But also to be funny, to use facial expressions when you speak. But when this friend of mine said that to me, that men don't like women who are funny, I can see where we were sitting in San Francisco at a coffee shop. And I said to him, I was married for 16 years to someone who didn't like or get my humor. I said, if someone doesn't like or get my humor now, they don't need to be in my life. I don't restrain myself um, at all. Though I, I do. Sometimes I have to say, Susan, this isn't the appropriate time for you and Jeff, what you think is funny. The other person's got the floor. So you sometimes have to know when not to make a wisecrack. And why I learned that is there's someone that lives in my community and you could be saying something and she comes in with what she thinks is funny and she breaks the moment and she prides herself on having like a, and with a big smile, a sarcastic sense of humor. And after, I guess, nine years, one day she did that. And I was, I looked at her and I said, what? See, what? You're not making a judgment. And her answer to me was, oh, I was just trying to be funny. And I looked at her and said, do me a favor, don't. But yes, women can be funny. In fact, every one of us, when we're with our women friends, we are laughing really hard because we say funny things. But the thing is that male humor and female humor is different. And I know this because I did the research at the humor library at San Francisco. We have a humor collection. And I studied the research on humor, which, by the way, 
if you ever can't go to sleep at night, pick up the research on humor. You <laughs> sleep like this. So boring. But what I learned is that male humor and female humor is different. Uh, men were very, you know, the one-two punch and often directed at women. But the concept of the storyteller that was in a ubiquitous and the story didn't have a, so a pawn. And I hate to say this, but the person who changed humor and went back to the situational humor, which is what we women like, was Bill Cosby. Because he would tell the stories about the dentist. Well, who hasn't been to a dentist and put the cotton in their mouth? So women have great humor. And I can prove it. The next time you're with your women, colleagues, and friends, pay attention to how much you laugh when you're together. Now, the one, the one caveat I would give you, and this is what great women do. We can laugh at ourselves. And you just heard me do it. I could regale you with the tale of after my big birthday party two weeks ago. I thought I'd do myself a favor. I tried on all my pants with zippers. Oh my God, the worst thing I could have done after COVID. So we can be self-deprecating. But I have the most wonderful speech coach when I started my speaking business. Oh, I guess it was 38 years ago. And here's what she said to me, Dawn Bernhardt. She said, Susan, you are the quickest wit I know. You are so spontaneous. You have self-deprecating humor, but we women must be very careful about self-deprecating humor because if you're too self-deprecating, the persons that work with you, work for you, will think, oh, they're not that great. What am I listening to them for? So we need to be very measured about how often we do that. But embrace your humor. Listen to what your friends are laughing at. What they laugh at, what you say, then you know your strength. And write down the good lines. And by the way, Annette had a very good word when we were doing this introduction. I went, I love that word. You coined it. I'm quoting you. Write it down. And don't be afraid to quote the person that said the funny thing or made up the great word. You're not going to look like less. You're going to look like more because great women give credit where credit is due. Oh, so beautifully said. So beautifully said. So I'm going to stay in this space of humor, but I'll take a little different twist on it. So I'm going to go back to your grandfather for a second. Your grandfather would often smile and giggle when telling a story to let others know when they should laugh as well. And we know how emotions can be contagious for sure. And he certainly realized that. So in your opinion, how does this play into successful leadership? And what do leaders need to be careful of with their emotions? You don't air dirty laundry. I once had a, a person that I interviewed for a talk I was giving, and she said, why am I, I'm successful in sales? And I not only get to know my customer, I let them get to know me. And then she said, but not the time my son was in juvenile hall overnight. And I thought, you can tell them some things, but don't give people so much. A, that they can use against you, but B, that would make them uncomfortable, sometimes too much information. And we do that sometimes in humor. So I think it's important. I sometimes do things deadpan where I don't, because sometimes deadpan humor is fun. But most often, I, I think something's funny. How could I not be laughing and smiling? And, you know, you can even do that in a phone call. It doesn't mean you just have to see people smile. If we're good enough listeners, we can hear people smile. Yes, you can. And I'm going to dig a little deeper on this, but I'm going to take a little different path with it. You've expressed beautifully how 
laughter and humor can be passed on and can be contagious. But I also want to caution those listening, the opposite of that's true. If you go in as a leader into your workspace and with your team members and start complaining and and woe is me and whatever else that's negative emotions, they're equally contagious. So as a leader, I want all of you to really be aware of what Susan has said that we can that the good stuff is contagious, but also the bad stuff is contagious. So it's it's responsibility of all of us that are leading others to pay attention to what our emotions are and how we're letting them show up on our on our outside. Yeah. And I think it's different when a leader and we've just heard a horrible thing, Congressman Raskin's son committed suicide and it was very public. And he shared that. Sometimes you need to allow people to support you if you've lost a child, a parent, you know, a sister, a brother, then that's okay. But when you're negative is that it's just a lot of complaining and whining. But we also want to give people an opportunity to support us in the life changing. Um, I just found out someone was telling us about someone I didn't know she had passed away. And I was like, well, I didn't know. And I felt horrible because. I would have sent a card to her son, et cetera. So some things we can share when they're those life situations. But this whining and complaining, and I will say this, one of my college sorority sisters called me to say happy birthday. And I really understand. I mean, I'm in a isolating place. Oh, I have a, but I see sense of humor. I had a word for it here in San Francisco area. I called it house arrest without an ankle monitor. That's what I called it. It's not that it's not serious. I take it seriously, but be a little lighthearted about it. But she started in on how awful and awful and awful. And finally, I said, please stop. I have a good attitude. And I knew, honestly, Annette, I couldn't listen to her go on and on about how woe is me is. I think it is okay when someone is going on and on and on to kind of say to them, oh, that must be so difficult for you. I hope it gets better. And then if you're face-to-face, excuse yourself and move away. Or if you're not, change the subject. Don't let anyone go on and on where it affects you. But how about this? They're also hearing themselves be negative. If you change a subject to something that's more conversational, that helps them get out of that spot. Yeah, and, and I'm going to add one more more thought before we move from this. The old saying that we've all heard, I don't think matter what culture you're in listening to this, you know, the old saying, an apple can spoil the whole bunch. It's so true. So be so careful, even in the teams that you build, if you have knowing that emotions are contagious, that if you have a negative Nelly or negative Bob in that space, it will be contagious. Or if you have a complainer that complains all the time, they will start to taint the rest of the team and the emotions will will start to permeate through. So just a word of caution for everyone, because I think this is a topic that we often don't think about, Susan. And it's very important in how successful our teams are, our companies are, and how we are as women. And, you know, it's fair enough. I mean, when you are that leader in that supervisor, that manager, that executive, to have a one-on-one with the person and say, you have such great attributes. And this is what I learned as a teacher. You talk about all their successes, good traits, blah, blah, blah. It would be so more effective or it would add to you if your 
outlook where you saw something that wasn't working, that you applied all your genius traits and solved the problem. But give them a chance to make a change. Give them some tools and some verbiage that they could use. But if someone is consistently, you know, Debbie Downer from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I hear you, girl. I Every time I do that, I see Rachel Dratch's face in front of me. But you don't want to be that. A, we don't want to be that. B, we don't want to be around it. And C, we don't want to let that person ruin the company, the division, our parties, our banquets, our coffee clutches. They're too much work. By the way, someone once said this to me, you have to work on relationships. And I had a friend say, if it's that much work, I want to get paid. <laughs> or move out of them. <laughs> get fired. <laughs> um, it, it's worth, but to me, it's worth it. Yes. How we get through what we're going through now is relationships. Everything comes down to that. And great women have great people around them. And that doesn't mean by titles. The great person around you could be could be your own grandmother who has these wise things. I remember my Aunt Millie. I don't even, maybe she graduated high school. But she said something to me that really made so much sense in business. I was thinking, how did I not think of that? Some of the people who will add to your business acumen are not in business. They just are wise. You know, something, and I'll, I'll close this part of the conversation off after this, is, is one of the things that I use as my benchmark as to who I want in my life is I say, do they make me better? Mm. And if the answer is yes, then that's that they are at the right place. It doesn't matter what income level they are, black, white, age. The question I ask myself always is, do they make me better? And if that is the case, they deserve my time and attention and my love. Uh, otherwise, I, I need to do what I can to help them and then move away. Yeah. And you know, I love what you said is do what I can to help them because there is something else. And I did write this in Secrets of Savvy Networking, which is my Chicago based book. It's like you got to have some favors in the favor bank. But sometimes I, I will listen to a friend and I'm thinking, I think I want to like, oh, I want to get off there. But I realized for that moment, that friend needed a listener. Right. And that job for, even if it went on for five minutes or 10, I thought, Susan, you're giving to someone who needs to be listened to. Right. And right. I, I will do that because you know why? People have done that for me. Yeah, because we've not always been at our best, have we? <laughs> so, Susan, is there anything else about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I would like to share that if I'm at any success at all, it's because I'm a former school teacher, because that means that I never go to bed at night, that everything I need for the next day isn't by the door, because every teacher knows you've got to be prepared. And I think that actually prepared me for my business, my career, my career as an author, my career as a speaker, because we did lesson plans. So what is a lesson plan? A business plan. The thing about women is our flexibility. So you make a plan, and then it's the old saying, man plans, God laughs. Something else would happen. You know, I had the big lesson plan. Next thing you know, there's a fire drill at school. So we always knew how to improvise. So I think that's the flexibility. 
I think I would close with a wonderful piece of advice that I did get from um, Aunt Millie. I asked her when she was 65, Aunt Millie, what's it like being 65? And she thought about it for a moment. She said, you know, Susan, at 65, you know what's worth your worry. And I thought that was ingenious. I find as I am growing up the age chart that I hear her voice in the back of my head and something will happen. I'll go, not worth my worry. There's a solution. And I think this pandemic has made it so clear to us that all the plans we had, you know, I think of people I know that have wedding plans. Instead, they had weddings on Zoom, Easter plans. One of my colleagues planned an Easter egg hunt on Zoom. Who even can do that? That was back in April. We rise to the occasion. That's what I want for all great women, that we rise up and we rise to the occasion. You got it in you. Just let it out of you. I love it. I love it. Susan, I so appreciate you being here with me today and sharing what is so many nuggets of wisdom. We only scratched the surface. I know there's so much more. I wish we had hours to do this because you have so much wisdom. But thank you for being with me today. Oh, really? Annette, this has been my pleasure. What a fun time. Thank you. And for allowing me to bring my grandfather and Aunt Millie with me. (laughs) For sure. For sure. And Susan is another great example of how women are challenging the norm making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 